right to the rim. Left corner. Horkler for three. Oh, it's in and out. My goodness, a foul on the floor. Go to Watson. He and he gets fouled. And he gets fouled. Holy <laughs> moly. <laughs> foul is cold on Morsell. That's a big man move right there, boy. He went up there and took three guys and dunked them in the basket. As he makes the shot, he gets to go to the line for a three-point play. Morsell. Wow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Flex once again. It's Matt St. Jean here alongside Joe Howie. We got, we keep doing this, Joe. It's another big win, another big podcast. This is a, this is a lot of fun covering the Friars this year. Providence defeats Marquette, number 22 Marquette, 65 to 63. Friars are now 18 and 2 on the season, 8 and 1 in Big East play. Do I have that right, Joe? You are absolutely correct. Best season in my memory for the Friars. They just keep on going. Before we talk about this game, though, before we talk about takes, we got to commend the fans at the game today, in particular, the student section. That is the rowdiest I think I have ever seen Friars fans at a game, with the possible exception of, I don't know, Against Marquette for the slippery floor game, when people were throwing chairs and stuff. Or, or no, sorry, that was the yeah, that was the slippery floor game against Marquette. Absolutely yeah. insane environment came across on TV. I know you were there, and to do that with the student section with no student buses, everybody just getting there. It's a blizzard. Game gets moved. It's twelve thirty on a Sunday, and have that kind of environment. Man, the Friars have tapped into something special this year. They. Absolutely, Matt. I was, and like you said, I was so fortunate to be at the game today. Obviously, the snowstorm didn't stop the fans. The no buses didn't stop the fans. And I think all the credit in the world goes to the student section and the Friar Fanatic student group and everyone that was able to get there and represent the student body today. They had the behind the home basket student section filled up. And they had the overflow, uh, the student rafters filled up on the other side of the court. It was the beach out theme. It was replicative of the PC Marquette game from 2020. It was absolutely electric. I, I, I mean, that might be the best student section I've seen in Providence College history. And I'm not even bluffing. I'm not even exaggerating. It was fantastic. It, it was yeah. They, they had they were throwing the inflatable palm trees around like it, when Nate Watson yeah, had that end one dunk at the end of the game. I, I thought some kids were going to hit the ceiling. That's the, how exotic the student section was. I can tell you, I was at the game watch in New York City, Jack Dempsey's, and we were all feeding off the environment in the building. It was contagious. And they on TV, they kept cutting back to it. There were points they're cutting back to it. And you got they got shirtless guys in the stands, guys drinking beers right in front of the camera, holding up signs, waving things around. Everybody clearly in that beach theme. It was incredible. That's on. You saw all the players tweeting after the game credit for it. Cooley tweeting out credit for it. It's it's always a little bit easier to play basketball when you have that kind of environment behind you. <laughs> Nobody wants to come uh, into the dunk. Nobody. Not a single team wants to come into the dunk right now. I can tell you that much. But yeah, Friars, best start again, best start to conference play in 
school history. We said that on Wednesday. It's still true. They're, they're going to keep winning. I don't. I mean, we're gonna, I got to do some research here. We're going to have to get deep into the records to see where the Friars stack up against some of these past teams, just on raw numbers and records and all that win totals. But eighteen and two, top of the Big East, and hey, Joe, they moved up in Ken Palm. What is it? I'm what so is excited. It? 48 they moved up from 48 to 46 i'm so happy i feel wow. I, mean, I feel so much better now wow i love the metrics wow awesome honestly if you're under 12 put the earmuffs on f the metrics f ken palm and his stupid analytics f the net rankings f all of it because honestly at the end of the day what matters is record And if you're someone like a UConn fan or a Seton Hall fan and you need your safe space and you need to suck your thumb in the corner with your cushy little bedroom with pillows everywhere, I I don't even know where this is going. If you're someone in the Big East that needs a safe space right now because you don't like Providence on top, eat rocks. You know, that's my, new, that's my new saying is eat shrocks because I said that on the pregame podcast. If you're someone that needs a safe space in the Big East right now because you don't like what's going on with your team and you don't like the success that Providence has had, too effing bad. The analytics mean absolutely nothing because Providence sucks in the analytics and we're first in the conference. So you know what? Go go crawl into your safe space and curl up with your little Seton Hall, Yukon blankets and – Eat rocks because it doesn't matter. None of it matters. What matters is how many games you win and how many games you lose. Exactly. And you know what? What I mean, the analytics, the metrics did get, I think, one thing right about the game today. For a lot of this game, the Friars didn't play their best basketball. But you know what they did do that was so important? They were mentally tough and they were physically tough. So even when Marquette outplayed them, they couldn't get a big lead. They just couldn't. I mean, and you can make an argument. Marquette outplayed them for most of this game. I think you, and I think you can make a reasonable argument for that. But the problem was that when they outplayed them, they couldn't outplay them by much because the Friars hung tough. And when the Friars got opportunities, especially late, they made the most of them. I think the most telling number of this game, when you want to talk about both mental and physical toughness, second chance points. Providence had yep. 22. Marquette won a singular second chance point. That's the difference maker. Uh, absolutely, Matt. And you talk about Marquette's lead and Marquette playing better. Being at the game, I can tell you, Marquette did play better than Providence today. Marquette is no joke. They're no cupcake. They are a good team. Shaka Smart's a good coach, and as much as he was a pain in the ass to watch today, he's a good coach. He's got a good roster of players. But I said this in the pregame, and I'll say it again right now. A seven-game win streak is not sustainable, not in this conference. And it's only fitting that the seven-game win streak that started with a win over Providence ends at Providence. And quite honestly, the the leads that Marquette held today were not sustainable. Justin Lewis had an off night. He was, excuse me as I scroll on the screen here, he was 4 for 12 from the field with 13 points. That is not an efficient night for Justin Lewis. He had five free throws. Not an efficient night for him. And Marquette fans are going to be like, oh, he's a Big East front runner. I'm not denying that. He's a very good player. He did not have an efficient night. And that is all the credit in the world to Justin Minaya and the Providence defense. Marquette, that's a good team. Not a great game. Not a great day for them. No. And that's why I think I want to go. I mean, you can talk about what happened all day long. 
But this was just like the Xavier game. It was one where you're playing 38, 39 minutes to a stalemate. Like, it doesn't really matter what happens over the first however many minutes of the game because you get to the end and it's going to be, all right, there's going to be two, three, maybe four moments that's going to decide who comes away victorious. you got to win those. The Friars, I mean, we could, we could talk about the Nate Watson playing the lead. I want to come back to that. But you have, we need you have an, an entire podcast for that. Yeah, but the defensive stand at the end. Friars are up to it's Marquez. The ball shot clocks off. Marquez has again. I mean, Justin Lewis. He might he might win biggest player of the year this year. He's a he's a really good player, and he's only a sophomore. But he's good. I'm not I'm not going to take a single thing away from him. But they put Justin Manaya on him on defense for that last possession, and Marquez never looked to give him the ball. They opted for a post-up from Tyler Kolek on Noah Horkler over trying to get the ball to Justin Lewis. And then Lewis, yeah, Lewis got the offensive rebound and a putback, but Benaya was making his life hell the whole time, disrupted it, and that's a pretty good reason why that putback didn't go in. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's Benaya. This is the second straight game. We're needing a defensive stand at the end. Benaya has been the guy to take away whatever the other team wants to do most. And to your point, Matt, I don't know if anyone has seen it yet. I've retweeted it on my Twitter. I will retweet it on the Flex Twitter as well. But there is a fantastic video. Uh, Ian Steele ABC has it on his Twitter. It's from the postgame presser. I don't know if the PC Athletics has posted that yet. But it's Ed Cooley talking about the defense, the national defensive player of the year race. And he's talking about how Justin Manaya is not included in the top 15 players and Posh Alexander is. And listen, Posh Alexander is a good player. That's not he's really good. Him. And that's they should both this, this be in there. <laughs> is, absolutely. This is not to take anything away from him. Posh Alexander is a good player. He's a good defensive player. He's gritty. He's tough. X, Y, and Z. Go down the line. All the praise in the world to him. The fact that Justin Manaya is not on that list, to quote Ed Cooley, is absolute bullshit. That's bullshit. John Fanta tweeted out the defensive metrics per player the other day, and Justin Manaya leads the conference in contested shots. I forget what the metric is. Justin Manaya holds opponents to near 27% from the field when he's defending them. Lowest percentage in the conference. He is, by statistical measurement, as tweeted by John Fanta, the best on-ball defender in the conference, and he's not in the conversation for top 15 defensive player of the year, but Posh Alexander is. The same Posh Alexander that let Colin Gillespie beat the hell out of him last night at Villanova? Come on. The people that do their jobs with respect to the national media, the polling, the X, Y, and Z, oh, Providence, Providence this, Providence that, they suck. The national media sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, you gotta, if you're a Providence you fan gotta watch. and you're listening to this, yeah. they suck. Yeah, and here's the thing. I'm not going to – it's not everybody. It's just some of it because there's, there's a lot of smart basketball writers out there. There's quite a few of them that have watched a lot of Providence basketball and just talk about how good this team is and how, how they find ways to win. It's the trolls out there, and I'm not going to name names, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. That are the ones know that, who the trolls are. Exactly, and it's like – like that's why I'm gonna and I, I want to push this stuff because it's not everybody and I want people to read the stuff that's good because the stuff that's quality and talks about the Friars toy that they've earned at this point in the year and really like clearly watches them and gets what's going on. That's the stuff that should be getting the the attention here, the likes, the clicks, the retweets because that's what deserves it. Those are the guys that have earned it. They've put in the work and they know what's going on. 
Yep. It's not the um, uh, the other people, the other guys. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, exactly, Matt. To your point, there is a, a a small handful of national writers, national people that cover media that do give Providence the credit where it's due. And I, this is something it, – it's kind of my shtick this year. Everyone gives me the, the comments on it. This is something that gets me upset, and I, I think it's something worthy getting upset over is the national media completely disrespects us. We are one of the best, most competitive, toughest teams in the, in the – not in the conference, but in the NCAA this year. Yeah, the Friars and are going to be at minimum a top 15 team in the AP poll. Come on, that. Right. We don't get the by, national – By the time respect. you're listening to this <laughs> – by the time you're listening to this, probably around noontime, lunchtime tomorrow, after the AP polls have dropped, you'll hear this rant. This is we just we don't get the respect that is deserved. Now, Matt, to your point, there are the, the writers, the the reporters out there that do give us the credit, and to you guys, to the small handful of you, I tip my hat. Thank you yeah. for doing honest reporting. But to the rest of you. Yeah. Eat rocks because y'all yeah. suck. The 18 yeah. year olds yeah. that are trying to make it. You suck. Jeff Goodman, yeah. you suck. Rob Dowson, <laughs> you suck. Y'all suck. Do your jobs. Stop yeah. Stop trolling. Come on. Yeah. Do your freaking yeah. and I'll jobs. Name, I'll, na- I'll name a couple good names just so we can we can transition out of this positively. Just That way you guys have some good resources here. If you are if you subscribe to The Athletic, I'm not, not going to try. I don't, I don't write for them. I'm not paid to market for them. I just like the writing they do. Everybody on the college basketball side over there, with probably the exception of Seth Davis, really knows what they're talking about when they regularly give the Friars props. Closer we get to March, the more they're going to dig into this stuff. They don't. They do a lot of like wide view national stuff and less about the Big East in general. Um, but if you want to talk specifics, the guys I like and I've been listening to all season long, and I'm going to continue to recommend it. If you're listening to another podcast other than ours, go listen to Ion College Basketball. My, Matt Norlander and Gary Parrish, they have been talking about the Friars all year long and with a very honest lens, with basically just talking about how, hey, Friars, they're not good in the metrics, but they're winning. So credit to them. They're playing good basketball. Screw at the metrics. They, at some point, it's about wins. That's basically what they said the last time. And I'm sure when the next episode comes out after this game, it's going to be a whole lot of, all right, Friars earned the respect. Any any last out that's gone, uh, any last out they had should be gone at this point. And that goes um, to pretty much everybody in the national media. There's only, there's only one test, and I don't want to overlook teams. There's only one real test left in the season, and that's the games against Nova. Everybody else is a game that either the Friars should win or if you lose, as long as it's competitive, it's not really a big deal. Because uh, what we've done so far this year. Um, I totally agree. Um, this is going to sound contradicting to everything that I just said, too. But if you're a Friars fan and you're an active Twitter Friars fan and you listen to this podcast... Um, this is going to sound so contradicting compared to what I've done tonight on Twitter. Stop engaging with all the trolls because what we're doing is we're driving up their engagement and we're driving up their content. And I know how hypocritical and contradicting that sounds because when you go look at my Twitter page, I've done it twice in the past six (laughs) hours. I've, I've absolutely, I'm so guilty of doing it twice, but as I'm saying this, I'm realizing we're playing right into their hands. The, the, these, these quote unquote reporters that do this for minimal or no pay are doing it to troll and up their engagement. And at the end of the day, what they say really doesn't effing matter because Providence yep. is 18 and two. 
and yeah. Jeff Goodman Jeff, can ride he's not on his, the selection committee. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Goodman can ride his troll horse all he wants. The the wannabe reporters can ride their horses all they want. At the end of the day, we're eighteen and two. We're eight and one in conference, and we sit alone atop the league. So. Yep. I can rant all I want. I can quote and troll on Twitter all I want. At the end of the day, no 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 stupid BS reporter can take that away from us. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's what I think like you know what? We're at the end of January here. I think this is a good turning point in the season. Let's look forward as Friars fans. We got a lot to look forward to. Don't engage in the negativity. It's not going to be worth it. At this point, the Friars have earned what they're going to – they've earned all they can at this point in the season. The exception of literally going undefeated. They've really earned with all you could expect of them. So anybody that's going to say stuff, that's on them. <laughs> and that will really reflect is. on them and people will see that. So, yes. The uh, I will, and You know what? Monday, the AP poll should come out around noon. That's going to be a huge test to see what the Friars fall and see what people think of us. There's no doubt this is a top 15 team. I think a top 12 team is also reasonable. And I don't think a top 10 team is out of the question here. So we'll see where they put us there. But you know what? We're what? Less than, not less than, just over two weeks until that Nova game. Could be two top 10 teams. If if the Marbles fall tight. Nova gets Marquette this week. That's going to be a big game at Marquette. Mar- Marquette has the opportunity to sweep Villanova this week. I think we actually, and as disgusting as this feels to say, I think we actually have to root for Nova in that one. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, Matt, I think you, we you, want you, them you, to split. You know me. I, anytime Villanova yeah. takes a loss, I'm happy. So you, you're asking the wrong person. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to this game, though, because, man, this was an absolute doozy. And watching this at points, it was just like, man, it it felt like this wasn't our day. Sometimes the shots weren't falling. The the Friars weren't. Honestly, neither team was particularly good from the field. Marquette barely over 40 percent. The Friars, 38.3 percent. It was ugly and it was a rock fight. And I think that's a big part of why the Friars won, because that's how they wanted to play. Listen, and. Not to be redundant, not to beat the bed, the dead horse, but the metrics don't favor us, and that's for a reason. The 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 style of play that Providence produces on the court is not pretty. It's ugly, gross, disgusting basketball, but it's basketball that's so unique to the Big East now, new and old, and it's so unique to Providence that it works. 65-63 is a low-scoring game by the metrics, by the the mean of college basketball final scores. It's low, it's ugly, it's gross, but it works. And that's the type of basketball that Providence produces, and God damn it, it's freaking fantastic to watch. It really is. I mean, uh, fantastic to watch might be overstating it a little bit because this was ugly. <laughs> uh, no, no. And it Must- was tense. <laughs> but it was it, it gets results. And that's why we root for this team. It, it, it gets the results you want. Um, yeah. And when I say fantastic to watch, obviously, my heart rate was in the 150s during this game. Not healthy. It's not healthy to watch. It's really not healthy to watch. But when Providence comes away from a game like this with a win, it's all it's the equivalent of taking a drug. Quite honestly. 
Yeah, that's what it feels like. Now let's. I want to break down some of the specifics in this one. We talked about Manaya on the defensive end. He was a threat to score too. Fourteen points, second leading scorer on the Friars, while the leading scorer on the Friars and the scorer of the game-winning basket. That's one and only Nate Watson. That slam he had. The offensive rebound too at the end of that game. Oh my that, goodness. That sequence. One, being in the arena for that sequence was fantastic. I just want to set that as a preface. Two, the, the way in which it happened, the entire game, just setting the stage here, the entire game, Watson and Ed Croswell were taking rebounds, were taking entry passes and going for the power dribble and then going back up and getting stuffed, getting their shot block, getting fouled. At, at, at one point, I screamed out, just put it up. Stop putting it on the deck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were putting it. They were dribbling when they were getting the ball. Watson gets the re- the offensive rebound, goes back up, slams it on two Golden Eagles' head, gets the foul. The dunk erupts. I thought the student section was going to hit the ceiling. It, it was freaking fantastic. And then in the car ride home, I watched, I rewatched John Fanta's <laughs> call of it. Oh my god! That have one, you seen? Have you seen John Rook's call of that yet? I have not. Don't spoil it because I, I want to watch yeah. it. Yeah, we're going to – this will be – if you're when you're listening to this, I already decided before we recorded, I'm putting that at the start of the show. So you already heard that. But, yeah, that was an absolutely fantastic call from him. I mean, that's just bully ball. He's so strong, and that's where that show is. I mean, pushing a guy out of the way to get the offensive rebound off of what was really great offense to get Noah Horkler the look from the corner. Yeah. Getting the rebound and then just slamming it home, carrying guys. I mean, that looked like a running back going through the defense with safeties hanging off him. <laughs> that's your center dunking the ball. It, listen, there, there's a lot of talk uh, on Twitter about Watson being overrated, Watson this, that, and the other thing. He didn't score against Xavier. Yeah, he's overrated. Seven for 10 from the field with 17 points and the game-winning end one dunk. How overrated is that? When when Nate game Watson high, has, 17 points. Game high, absolutely. When Nate Watson has a down game, you know what he does? Is he picks himself up the next game and absolutely wills this team to a victory. I don't ever want to hear the words overrated and Nate Watson in the same sentence again. And if you do the words in the same sentence and you claim you're a Friars fan, you are not a Friars fan. Yeah, that was... Oh, boy, what a game from Nate. To go along with that, two other Friars and double figures, Al Durham. He had 11, 4 or 12 from the field. Uh, he missed two of his four free throw attempts. So I, but he had four rebounds, four assists. It was an up and down day for Durham, who, who kind of looked like he was battling an injury the whole time. And then yes, Noah Horker, eleven points, ten rebounds, double double for him. What does it tell you when you have a guy that's getting a double double and he's the fourth best player you're talking about? It was a one that was a sneaky double double. I didn't even know until after the game that he had a double double. And to your point about Durham, Matt. Um, I think it was early on in the first half. There, there were points when Durham was going in and out of the, the locker room tunnel. Um, this is an intangible that you take away from being at the game. I don't know what was going on with him, but at least two or three times he went in and out of the tunnel. I think he was getting rolled out, maybe getting an IV or something, but he was having some lower body issues, getting stretched out on, on the sidelines. Something was bothering with his leg. Yeah, so that'll be a situation to monitor for Providence. What What's the status of Durham going forward? But on the injury front, talking about the guards, 
AJ Reeves is back. And he was a little bit rusty. Dropped that pass wide open in the corner early. But he knocked down two triples. He had a six points. I thought he looked fine. He looked he looked good but rusty, what you would expect from a guy in his position. And I think with a little bit more time, we'll see him get comfortable again. Uh, yeah. I, 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 you can't really blame him. He missed almost a month of play. Um, I, I'm just happy he made the, the two three-pointers, quite honestly, because those were – I mean – at the end of the day, the points count. You want the threes. You want the six points. But those were uh, those were emphasis points. Th- those were those were the type of sh- shots that get the crowd back into it. Um, AJ mm-hmm. Reeves came on the floor, and the student section gave him a chant. They gave him a standing ovation. AJ Reeves chant. You haven't heard one of the, a player chant in a while. AJ Reeves comes on the floor. He gets one. He drains his first three. He drains his second three. It, we needed him on the floor today. Whether it was 19 minutes, whether it was one minute, you needed him on the floor today, especially if he's healthy. Six min- six points, zero points. You needed him on the floor today. Yeah. So is, it's good to have him back. That was huge. Uh, from the point guard position, outside of Durham, they really didn't get a lot. Alan Breed only played five minutes. One shot didn't score. Bynum, he played 29 minutes. He did lead them with six assists. Really good game running the show. Not as much scoring. He had four points, only hit two shots from the field, and didn't knock down any shots from beyond the arc. So that was, I mean, I think he'd like a little bit more scoring there, but this is how the day was for everybody. Nobody was scoring on either side. So, Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those days, and you look at the 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 I don't even know what to call it, the setup of the game. It's twelve thirty on a Sunday, the the Sunday after a nor'easter flies through the north northeast. You know, like this is the type of game you expect. It's cold outside. It's cold in the dunk. Both teams didn't shoot well. Uh, you know, Bynum. I think he he cooled off after a hot game at Xavier. Obviously, he hit that game winning three pointer. It, he was due to cool off. Um, with that said, on a night when you cool off to still have six assists and leave the team, lead the team, I think that's impressive. And he's the type of player where you need him on the court. And I think Ed Cooley is notorious for having these, quote unquote, we need to win the game lineups. Um, in the past, you've seen Cartwright, Lindsey, Diallo, Isaiah Jackson, Rodney Bullock. That, that for two seasons, was the we-need-to-win-the-game lineup. Um, a, a couple years ago, it was Luan, Luan Pipkins, Malik White, David Duke, Alpha Diallo, Cleef Young. That was the we-need-to-win-the-game lineup. This year, it's Jared Bynum, Al Durham, Justin Manaya, Noah Horkler, Nate Watson. When those five are on the floor and it's late in the game and it's a tight game, it's Ed Cooley's we need to win the game lineup and whether or not he, he's scoring in double figures or he's dishing out six times, you need Jared Bynum on the floor for that. Absolutely. He's so good. He yeah. is good. And this is yeah. And this team, I mean, they've just they've put together such a solid lineup. They have their go to rotation and they have a couple of others. They can get it done when they need to, too. And part of that happens when you spend most of the non-conference play missing your point guard or a lot of conference play missing your starting wing. You, you figure out other ways to do it, and sometimes it's going to hurt you. There's some teams that, you know, they miss a player or they miss two players, and all of a sudden they can't compete, and all they have are complaints in that scenario. There's other teams that that happens, and you found new ways to win to add to your repertoire. Yeah, absolutely. To, to your point about missing players, Matt, 
for anyone, um, and, and this goes all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, but um, if you go and you look at Jeff Goodman's Twitter, Jeff Goodman interviewed Ed Cooley after the Xavier game, and this might be one of my favorite moments of the season thus far, is Jeff Goodman and Ed Cooley are talking about being lucky, and Cooley goes, you know, you call Cooley to Jeff Goodman, saying this to him, says, you call us lucky, but we beat Texas Tech and Rhode Island without Jared Bynum, and we've gone the past month without A.J. Reeves, but I haven't heard a peep out of you about that. Jeff Goodman, won. his mouth drops, he stares into the camera and changes the subject. You know why? Because he's a soft little piece of dirt. That's what he yeah. is. I think, honestly, that's as good a spot to end this as any. Friars, you got Ed Cooley shutting up guys right there. Friars should be shutting up the haters this week with two back-to-back wins over ranked teams, all thanks to to late-game execution. They're going to turn around on very short rest, play a late-night tip 9 p.m. game Tuesday night at St. John's on campus, Carnesecca, up into my neck of the woods, Joe. You know, I'm in the yeah, Got to be there for that one. Yeah, got to go over to that one. So that'll be a, a good game there. I think we're going to – are we going to do that one separately, Joe? Is that going to be a separate episode or we just want to do this now? You know, let's just do it now. We, we got the mics yeah. out. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a St. John's team that has been super streaky all year. They're, they, play, they play so fast. and They gave the Friars all they could handle up at the dunk earlier this year. That was the last yeah. game before the COVID pause. So I think – when it comes to the, the games left, the Providence could lose. I'm looking at the most difficult games on the schedule. This is among the top ones because you have, obviously, Villanova twice. That's probably going to be your most difficult and second most difficult games left. That's just how you're going to look at it at this point. And you do have Xavier again. That's at home. You have Creighton again. That's at home. The next best team you play, St. John's, and that's a road game. So... I think, I mean, this is going to, this could get real tough for the Friars. If there's any situation where Providence has a trap game left on the schedule, I think it's certainly this one. This is absolutely a trap game. Um, well embedded moles inside the St. John's program. I, I stole, I steal that from John Rothstein, but people inside the St. John's program tell me that their athletic department doesn't like Ed Cooley for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> a, a, after Kevin Willard was pissing and moaning that the, their home game was an advantage to St. John's because it reminded him of Carnesecca or reminded them of Carnesecca. Their athletic department decided that all of a sudden Ed Cooley said the same thing, which doesn't really make sense to me because I can't remember a time when Ed Cooley ever ripped on Carnesecca Arena. Not, but, not only that, Ed Cooley has drawn ire from fans for a while for basically spending every press conference after a, a win or a loss giving credit to his opponents. The last thing he's going to do is say negative stuff about St. John's. Right. So I, I digress. But St. John's fans, the the, the t- nine or ten of them that actually exist in New York City, uh, are chippy and angry with Providence for whatever reason. So I'm expecting the student section of St. John's to fill the 500-seat arena of Carnesecca. Now I'm ripping on Carnesecca. But anyway, I think it's going to be a tough game. Um I think St. John's is thirsty. They're desperate. Right right now, they, they they had a big win against Seton Hall, and then Villanova wiped the floor with them. So this is a St. John's team that, like Seton Hall, like Butler, like DePaul, is struggling to find its identity in conference play. They have 
what could be a Big East Player of the Year front runner in Julian Champagny, who just can't put it together defensively. You know, offensively, I think he's fine. I think he's fine with scoring the ball. You know, he's a threat anywhere on the floor. But defensively, he just the effort's not there. They have one of the better defensive players in Pasha Alexander, who, again, offensively just isn't putting it together. So I think this is a St. John's team that's still struggling to find its identity. They dropped the game by 10 to Providence at Providence. They're going to look to play some revenge ball on Tuesday night. Yeah. Yeah. And this is St. John's. Is, they're incredibly inconsistent. They're good enough to beat literally anybody in the conference. Will they? they are. Yeah. Will they? It's a coin flip if, the, if that team shows up that day. Champagne, again, he could be the best player on the conference. Incredibly talented scorer, scoring almost 19 a game. Yes. For some reason, he's got 1.9 steals per game, which honestly kind of shocks me to see that stat. Posh Alexander, he gets 2.4 steals per game. Dylan Adawuso, 1.6. Montez Mathis gets a steal and a half per game. They force a ton of turnovers. Problem for them, if they don't force a turnover, that defense has nothing. You break the press, you get behind them, it slides out. That's why Nate Watson had a good game against them last time. They're super soft on the inside. If the Friars can break the press and not turn the ball over, they should win this game with relative ease. If you can't, like we saw a couple years ago, we talk about the six-game winning streak for Providence in 2020 and how they won 8 of 10 down the stretch in February and March. One of those two losses was at St. John's. And I think they had 20 turnovers, 22 turnovers, something like that in that game. Oh, that game was terrible. Yeah, and that's, that's the kind of, kind of game you have to avoid. Will it sink you? Absolutely not. If Providence loses this game, in the big picture, should it mean much? Not really. But you obviously want to go out there and actually win because you are the better team. No, but statistically on the floor, by the metrics, because that matters so much to everybody, Providence is the better team than St. John's. You want to go out and you want to win this game. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. But that's something that that's a trend that's not unique to playing at Carneseca Arena. That's a trend that's not unique to playing St. John's. No Big East win is easy. And if you think going into a Big East game that it's going to be easy, you don't follow Big East basketball closely enough. No Big East game is easy. This is no exemption. No, not at all. So, yeah, this is I went back and I pulled up the stats. The Friars had 23 turnovers in that game, lost 80 to 69 at St. John's. That was February 12th, 2020. We're turning the calendar to February right now. This is February 1st that this game is going to take place. So game's starting to matter a little bit more. Got to keep this winning going. Friars, they've won. Hey, don't sleep on five in a row. Providence tied with UConn right now for the longest active winning streak in the Big East. Don't sleep on that. Don't do it, Joe. Don't you dare. Try to keep that going. I don't sleep on anything, Matt. I don't sleep at all. Yeah. Except in the car on the way home. Except in the car on the way home. I sleep then. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Joe uh, Joe fell asleep thinking the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl, wakes up, and it's Joe (laughs) Burrow. You know what? I, 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 I'm ha- <laughs> I'm happy the Chiefs aren't going for, to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes can take a seat and go film some more commercials with Jake from State Farm. Yeah, I'm a big uh, I'm a big Joe Burrow guy, so I'm excited about that. That's going to be uh, a, a fun one. But yeah, we got we got two weeks until then. And hey, Joe, as we're recording this, you know who else is going to the Super Bowl? That's right. Who is? Los Angeles Los Angeles Rams. They're hosting What's the it. Score. Uh, they win final 100? score. Yeah, game's over. Oh. Game just ended. 
Rams kicked a field goal. Defense defense held on. Rams get the win. So we got a Super Bowl. Second straight year. How's this? How's this for you? A little NFL fact. Until last year, no team had hosted their own Super Bowl. Like they no team had played as the home team in their own Super Bowl. Tampa did it last year. Now the Rams are doing it back to back years. What what is Odell Beckham Jr. gonna do to ruin it for them? What what locker room <laughs> what locker room shenanigan is he gonna do to ruin this moment for them? Yeah, is, hey, is, he, is he gonna cry or he's gonna dance and do something inappropriate in the end zone? What is he gonna do to ruin this moment for the Rams? Uh, yeah, here's the here's the bitter Giants fan over there. That's that coming out. <laughs> hey, he's, watch, he's gonna he's gonna go win Super Bowl MVP. Of course he is. Because <laughs> he doesn't play for the Giants anymore, he's gonna win MVP. Yeah, yeah. Odell Beckham is a uh, he's a sore loser, but when the team is winning, he doesn't cause problems. That's for sure. No, he that's why not. he won it out, Cleveland. But yeah, that's gonna be a good game. But the game that you're here to listen to, that's gonna be Tuesday night, I believe, on Fox Sports One. I don't FS1, know who's on the call. Nine p.m. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who's on the call for that one. Hopefully, John Fanta. That would be very nice. But yeah, that'll be right in my neck of the woods at Karnasaka on campus. Friars looking to keep this winning streak going. So, yeah, this is two wins. Friars score 65 points in back-to-back games, win both games thanks to defensive stands and a great late game play. Most stressful stretch of the season, Joe. We got through it unscathed, and I am very, very happy about that. Once again, Friars 18-2, and 8-1 and one in the conference, top of the Big East. I'll say that again for you. Friars are at the top of the Big East. We'll get you, uh, we'll get you after that game against St. John's probably the next day because I'm telling you, I'm not getting back to my apartment until at least midnight after that one. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt well, if you didn't hear him say it, Matt lives in Queens. He will be at the game. What, quite a changeup, actually. Normally, I'm at the games. Matt will be at the game. Providence sits alone atop the Big East. Uh, like you said, unscathed through what was the toughest and most telling week of the season. You, you had a lot of people out there saying, yeah. this is the hey, week I, that... I, Go yeah. ahead. I mean, I got to tell you, for as difficult as this week was, I mean, if we had to play, I don't know, at Seton Hall, uh, we'd probably lose, right? That's probably. a team that can win in their home building. Listen, Seton Hall... Um, <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. Seton Hall is the unluckiest team in college basketball history. And I think everyone should drop to a knee and say a deep, heartfelt prayer for Kevin Willard because he is going through the toughest season of his life. He had to play with eight scholarship players two games in a row. He had to play in his own gym on Seton Hall's campus. But because it reminded him of Karnaseka Arena, he lost the game. And because he because the Prudential Center, The Rock, Seton Hall's home gym, reminded Marquette of the Pfizer Forum, they lost. There's no really the word accountability is foreign to Kevin Willard. So everyone drop to your knees, say a prayer for that poor man because he's really going through it. <laughs> I gotta say, being 18 and 2 has really inflated our egos. This is this has nothing to do with Providence. Providence could be thirteen and thirteen like last season. I just have a very short temper for BS, and what Kevin Willard has spewed out of his mouth the past month and a half is absolute BS. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'll I'll tell it as it is. We we Providence could be in the basement of the conference, and I'll still just say the same thing. That the, yeah. the the excuses, the lack of accountability, 
your team is losing because you're not holding anyone accountable except for extraneous external reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with why you lost. But I, I want to end this hey. on a positive note. Providence goes 2-0 on the week, 18-2, and beat two ranked opponents in back-to-back wins. Let's sign it off. Yeah, you know where to find us at Flex Hoops on Twitter. Follow our personal accounts. You can find them in the bio right there. Follow us wherever you are listening to this. Make sure you're subscribed. Go ahead and rate it. Leave a review. We love to see that. We love it when you tell us how good we are. That's always a good thing to hear. If you don't like us, you don't have to tell us. That's okay. But yeah, <laughs> make sure you're interacting with us. You make sure you're following with us. And thank you for listening. It's only going to get better from here. Go Friars.